sent this boat out and it had done the whole gauging across the river and we were bringing it back again. Uh, and the river, it was the River Tweed uh, at a place called Norham, which is right on the border of England and Scotland. Uh, and uh, it was about, it's, it's about a uh, hundred metre span river. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was about, about 50 metres back again. And we just saw it disconnect from the cable and just drift <laughs> off downstream. Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. This podcast is sponsored by the World Energy and Meteorology Council, or WEMSI for short. WEMSI is an international organisation focused on weather and climate data to support energy transition, and we also work with educators. WEMSI have created TEAL, an easy-to-use, free visualisation tool that enables you to explore climate variables for the past 70-plus years. Get started at tealtool.earth. Find us at wemcouncil.org and follow us on Twitter at wemcouncil. Morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are listening to this, everybody. Welcome to Coffee and Geography. Um, a chance encounter has led to this discussion I'm really looking forward to. Um, all came about because I was looking for someone who could talk to a bunch of year 10 uh, high school students here in the UK which is ninth grade for you folks in the United States, um, about their work and how they go about fieldwork technique. And who better than this wonderful person from the Environment Agency, Louise Wilson. Hello, Louise. Hello. Thank you for having me on. It's great. And this really was because what was it? Was it Tuesday just this week? So two days ago, yeah. we just did this lesson with year 10s. And... Yeah, it's been so fast. It's been, uh, yeah. it's been great, but I love it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so Louise and I had a bit of a check-in afterwards just to see how we thought it went. And I was like, Louise, I do this podcast <laughs> thing. Would you mind? And she was like, yes. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so all of Louise's colleagues in the Environment Agency, I'm afraid you're, you've got to be double jealous now, Louise, because I know quite a few of you wanted to jump on and help me out with this <laughs> lesson. Thank you very much. There'll be future opportunities. Um, but not only that, I've now roped Louise into the podcast. So Louise, they're two steps ahead of you. So. I've just got to rub this in at the future future meetings, just be like, ha ha, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. and you should, and you should. Yeah. But for anybody in the Environment Agency is always welcome to come on the Coffee and Geography podcast. Um, Louise, you have like the shortest, but like one of the best like bios like that I've had. And this is it. It's, it's two senses, folks. It is perfect. So first of all, what Louise does and then something really cool about her, right? Louise is hydrome- hydrometry and telemetry team leader for the Environment Agency a true child at heart if there's a puddle to jump in then I'm on it she says <laughs> that is literally me in a nutshell I uh yeah I, I I when the forums like that come through and you're like I don't know what else to write uh what, what do I know about myself um but yeah if there is a puddle I will jump in it and it's probably really ironic that I ended up working in hydrometry and telemetry which is <sighs> basically jumping in puddles <laughs> So here's a, here's a British cultural reference, which some people listening might not get, but I'll explain it if necessary. Have you had a Vicar of Dibley moment? Uh, 
kind of not quite that depth but I have had it up to my <laughs> knees <laughs> which is always quite surprising when you're only a pair of wellies as well <laughs> yeah and especially yeah. when it goes just over the level of your wellies it just yeah. like rushes in like that like, oh, um so folks Vicar Dibley is a, was a very popular tv show in the 90s I think here in the UK and there's just this one sketch and, you, and it's probably on YouTube you can find it's this one sketch where they're having a bit of fun and it's been raining and, and they're jumping in puddles and <laughs> jumped in this one puddle and it go, she goes right in over her head. It's actually more it's amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, com- it's a comedy show with um, Dawn French. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Can never French and Saunders, the, the comedy duo. We're showing our age oh. now. I know. I love that. I was. I was back. I know. <laughs> let's let's stop reminding ourselves how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, Louise, you're you're actually not too far away from from me in the United Kingdom. I mean, uh, you know, just about an hour an hour or two's drive away. You're kind of just yeah. north of north uh, west of Cambridge, in between Cambridge and Peterborough. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty much sort of halfway between the two of them, which is quite good. Um, but as you can probably tell by the accent, not really from this not area. Not from this part of the UK. No, uh, but uh, yeah, just uh, it, chant, basically work brought me down. And uh, that's, uh, I've, I've, I came down for a six month job uh, assignment and I'm here seven years later. So something right went, happened. There is a little bit of an infiltration of, of Scots in this part of the world because it's like uh, one of my best friend's who's from uh, Dumfries and Galloway and, the bo- Galloway and the Borders and all that kind of stuff. He came and was a high school teacher over here. Hi, Clive. How are yeah. you doing? Um, and then we got uh, quite a few academics at the University of Stanglia who are Scottish, you know, like right, uh, yeah. Professor Jenny Barclay. That's now the fourth time I think I've shouted out her name on this podcast. And, and uh, I think Brian Reed as well. Um, and now you got yourself. So what, what, what is it? I mean, you, you folks like take the mickey of us down south. You know, what is it about this part of the country that seems to draw in lots of Scots? Oh, well, I think I think Norfolk is very similar um, to I, it, it seems very similar apart from the lack of hills. That is uh, <laughs> that's basically it. Um, but I, I, I don't know because I'm from I'm from the Scottish borders. So I'm the, like just next to Dumfries and Galloway. Uh, and uh, I grew up in the countryside. Um, mm. And I think that's what appealed to me is when I came down here, it was just as much countryside. It was different, but it was nice. It was open. It was airy. There's plenty of walks and places to explore. Yeah. And it's got a rich history as well. So, um, you know, for, for a nerd like me, it's uh, it's great to <laughs> a great place to explore. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean, a lot of us have fancies of traveling the world, of course, and going to see these far flung exotic places and then one thing of course which many of us did do during you know the covid lockdowns was just get out in our local area and discover things which was which we'd never would have noticed which were there and Mm. and um it's i mean i probably would not have enough time in my life to go and like do every single walk in say east anglia or maybe even norfolk you know um because it's just so fast and diverse really and uh we're very very lucky to have one what we have around here and it's a it is a beautiful part of the world it's a unique part of the world oh um, definitely especially where you are because you only have to go just a little bit to the north and you've got the, you've got the fenlands and uh little holland and yeah and we've got um the the area that my team uh cover as well we we cover such a vast uh difference of uh river um we basically we go from the almost the source of uh or the source of the river great ooze 
Uh, and it goes all the way up to the mouth at King's Lynn. So we're going effectively from the west side of Milton Keynes all the way up to King's Lynn and Heatcham. Uh, and that's our patch. So it's a massive area and I've seen so much of it. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big area. Um, fun fact for everybody. When I was a kid, a kid about the river ooze, the great ooze, right? It's like, uh, we used to go on some, on some trips and mostly it was like camping holidays and like butlings type camping, you know, holidays, stuff like that. And I remember going on one of these trips and, and my, my mum and dad, uh, as we were driving along, we were going over this bridge and my dad goes, shouts out, you know, Oh look, look, this is the river ooze. And like, I think I must have been like five or six at the time. And I was like so excited because I was imagining like the pink ooze from Ghostbusters. <laughs> so I, I, I like yes. jumped on and I, and I was looking at the picture out the, out the window and I was like so disappointed to just see a river there. And I was like, I was so, so mad and so upset. I was like, you said it was ooze. I said, no, no dear. It's the river ooze, not ooze. And so, yeah, I just think of this because I was going to clap my hands and try and anger this river to see if it can bubble up and like grab the car or something. But Amazing. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, right. So we talked about kind of like roughly where you, where you are, but what about the drink that you have in front of you? So you have a brew in front of you. What do you have? I do. I've gone for coffee because I'm I'm I can I I'm a tea person, but being Scottish, uh, I I I tend to get take uh, uh, taking the mick out of for how I, I drink my tea black. So I thought I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go for black coffee instead. <laughs> Is there is there any particular brand you go grab for? Is it just you just whatever you can grab off the shelf? Uh, it's it's usually what's on special offer in Tesco. Uh, yeah, fair uh, yeah it's, uh, but today it is. Uh, I've actually I, I did bring it up because I saw in your on your little form. It's like yeah, to bring it. So we've got <laughs> oh, Lore Classic, so that is today's <laughs> brew. So. Lore Classic, today's brew, folks who are listening, yep. get get searching on its sustainability credentials. That's why we give mm. these a shout out. It's to, it's to test their metal with sustainability. Um, Okay, while we're on brews, mm. see what I'm going to do here, right? I just want to ask you something, right? Yeah. What is it about Iron Brew? What is oh, it about Iron Brew? It's just, it's so sugary, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's, it was, I mean, it's changed now. They've taken all the sugar out of it. It's not quite the same, but it, that I don't know. Right. It, it's just, it is just pure sugar and it's great. And it was the best hangover cure ever that was that was it you know that at university that was basically i would have a fridge stock filled uh, filled with uh, uh with iron brew for the morning after yeah. <laughs> so folks i'm not even going to describe iron brew for any of you listening who don't know what it is you just need to look it up just look it up just, and you're like what is you know was there a certain u.s president that used to drink this all the time would that explain his color kind of seriously <laughs> Um, it's so yeah. orange it's so orange uh, it's so orange yeah yeah oh cool I've always wanted to ask that question on the podcast what is it with Ibro <laughs> so uh, it, but it is a Scottish in- institution you know it's oh, it just is. as much a Scottish institution as the Scottish thistle as uh, mm. you know as uh, deep fried Mars bars and all that kind of stuff oh, uh, yeah. and the Edinburgh Fringe <laughs> oh yes I know I miss living so close to Edinburgh because Edinburgh Fringe was just amazing but then yeah just Edinburgh Fringe and just be full of sugar with iron brew and uh, t- tablet and everything else yeah give me all the stereotypes all oh, the sugar yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing yes yeah, so um looking at um so coming back to kind of the work that you do then so yeah. you work in hydrology and telemetry so for the environment agency so um first things first then louise if you can 
because the vast majority of people listening will know who the environment agency is but we do have international listeners which is amazing um thank you folks uh, i'm hard yeah. <laughs> um so very very briefly who are the environment agency and what is your role exactly that you do in it so the environment agency is an arm like arm's length government body uh we uh so we are the agency that basically deal with everything environmental. Um, we cover a wide range of um, of the situations. Uh, we deal with flooding, uh, uh, coastal uh, erosion, and flood risk. Uh, basically, flood risk management uh, and coastal risk management. Uh, we've got uh, we've got abstraction licenses for farmers um, that come through. So we deal with uh, how much water people can take out of the river systems and how much water people can put into. Uh, we regulate uh, like water companies uh, about the sewage and chemicals. And uh, and then also we've got waste uh, officers um, who deal with uh, like illegal waste sites, uh, legal waste sites and how much they, how making sure they're following the rules and, and things. Um, and uh, with air pollution and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we do such a wide range of, of, of stuff. Um, but my team specifically, we uh, we deal with river levels, uh, rainfall data, groundwater levels. So we are the monitoring team, basically. Uh, our team uh, install, upgrade and maintain the equipment that is out on remote sites around the country. Um, and uh, we, uh, we basically monitor ev- everything uh, at a real-time level. So uh, we've got uh, bits of equipment out on site that are recording river-level data every 15 minutes and bringing it back through our telemetry system. Hence, so the hydrometry part is the measuring of uh, the quantity of water, uh, and the telemetry is how we bring it back into our systems uh, so we use a combination of phone lines and mobile signal uh, and uh, we're moving to to new uh, internet sources using the cloud and things uh, to bring our information back so it can then be validated uh, and then put onto a public forum like of river levels online uh, so members of the public can view that information, see what their local river is doing at any particular moment, uh, but also uh, so the flood teams can model that data and actually create flood maps and give better flood warnings and flood alerts uh, that to people in the future. And it's it's such an important job from all aspects. So when when we were doing that year ten you know, Lesser, we we were showing all these fantastic different photos, all the different things that you do, the different kind of sampling techniques, the how you evaluate the equipment using little boats. You can talk about <laughs> about those in a minute. Yeah. Um what one of the things that fascinated me, and I think actually quite a few students actually got a bit of a kick out of was that picture you showed of members of the team scraping algae off some of the weirs of the yeah. middle is which of course which is one of the ways that you measure the, the discharge and, and the levels and stuff and of course because of course if you don't scrape that algae off you're going to get um you know uh inaccurate readings mm. and of course that can affect everything you know with regards to the level of the river therefore maybe even your flood warnings and risk and all that kind of stuff um and it's just it's just amazing stuff but yeah i think i've perked people's interest talking about these little toy little they're not toy boats but these little boats you they, know they, they look like are toys. toys they look like toys they're they're our favorite toy in the in the team everybody <laughs> loves getting out with them and um, we've got a little fleet of remote control boats um 
So when you say remote control boat, you sort of think of this little toy that you can play with in the bath. But actually, uh, our biggest one is a, about a metre and a half long um, and about a metre and a half wide. Uh, we've got a slightly smaller one than that as well. But uh, they work. We have uh, a special system uh, that's actually created by a company called Xylem. Uh, and uh, they, um, it, it works on acoustic Doppler. So this little sensor sticks out the bottom of the boat uh, and it sends out uh, radio waves uh, through the water system, through the water, uh, and it picks up on particles and everything floating through the water. Um, so as as it's moving across the river, it's it's using these waves and recording how quickly it comes back uh, on the echo. Um, and this smart little bit of kit brings it back in real time to a laptop that we we're standing with on the on the bank and we can see a nice little graph we can pick up uh, we get a nice cross cross section of the river we can see the bed level how fast the water is flowing at specific points we get a nice mm. little color graph um and uh, and we and it gives us a full discharge of what that river uh, how much water is flowing down that river in liters per second yeah it's it's cool and I'll, i i actually geeked out on the on the little chart as well because uh I rec I recognised um, the the flow pattern, you know, where you've mm. got the 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 quickest flow is kind of away from the bed and the sides, but depending yeah. on which way the river is bending, it could be slightly shifted to the left or slightly shifted to the right. And but yeah. then you've got the banks where like in, in your blues, which means the river is slowest and things like that. And I just like I was like, oh, I just love it. I can see all that oh. theory and practice. No wonder why they yeah. come up with these diagrams in textbooks because they're actually based on real data most of the time, you know. So I know. Uh, we, we we absolutely geek out it depending on the when we've been out and if you get a really nice cross section and it's like blue on one side and it goes from blue to purple to yellow to red and then it eventually then comes back again and it ends up in blue yeah. at the other side if you get that right across the way it's just perfect yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. absolutely so yeah and I, and um it's really interesting because uh of having uh marked uh, some GCSE exams this year and one of the questions was funnily enough about fieldwork techniques in rivers and uh, you know and the, one of the questions was design a um, design a data collection sheet to yeah to to collect data to measure the cross-section of a river in three different mm. locations so they had to do that that was pretty cool and I, you know yeah. so I would have now written like why you know I'm not going to do this I'm just going to use a toy boat yeah that, that that would that would get you the points <laughs> definitely it's a long you stop long... radar yeah I know. <laughs> so when i was at university we uh we threw oranges into the river that was yes. how we did it yes folks yes that was how technical we got um but uh yeah this technology is quickly moving on uh and it's uh it's it's a lot better than just oh we can still use mm. oranges and just count but basically from one point to the other just count how how long it takes time it uh, yeah. Uh, yeah see what happens but yeah. yeah so you measure your distance so i know five yep. meters and then you drop yep. your engine and then time it. and then time it and then kids kids will like poke it with a stick when it gets stuck on a rock yeah um <laughs> i had one i had one group when i did this with who who um each of them decided to um draw faces on their oranges and give them names excellent so, that's that's how you, you know, do it i can't yeah. remember what the names were perhaps one of them was orange mc orange face i don't know but i mean um, it would have somewhere. to be wouldn't it <laughs> we, we did try to we did try to call one of our boats boat we make boat face but uh, you know trademarks and all that jazz oh because it's already <laughs> taken isn't it yeah it's the submarine on the on the david attenborough isn't it on the um yes yeah because they want because yeah. that's right because it was a public poll what are we going <laughs> to call this brand new ship 
research ship and everyone was like let's call it boaty mcboatface yeah second place was the david attenborough so <laughs> at least they called the submarine boaty mcboatface yeah <laughs> and they said well let's compromise we can't really call the boat boaty mcboatface but what we'll do is that we'll call the ship the david attenborough and we'll call the submarine uh boaty mcboatface <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't who says scientists don't have a sense of humor exactly <laughs> yeah uh, so it's great. And uh, one thing I know which is going on, and this will definitely perk up the geography teachers uh, is who are listening, and that is there's been a, a collaboration. I mean, I don't know how much you know about this, but you or your colleagues most certainly will, is that there's been a collaboration, uh, ongoing collaboration actually, between the Environment Agency and the Geographical Association to make this data that you've, your team is collecting um, and changing it into teachable resources with regards to flood risk and flood management. And, and uh, that's that's a collaboration which is really really exciting because what the idea is is that it's meant to be localized like have a local context so it would be the local river or streams or whatever to the school where that's being taught at and you get to assess your your you know your actual locales flood risk um and that's pretty exciting but it just goes to show how important the data collection side of things and all this analysis is and, and what it means for just the general public you know yeah, it's and and having uh, I I did a uh, I was a flood warning duty officer as an ex, uh, incident response role uh, with the environment agency for the last three years and uh, it's incredible being in that live environment where we are actually seeing um, flooding happening and our uh, flood alerts and our flood warning thresholds the, our instruments are kicking in at the right time uh, so then we can then uh, set uh, and send out these warnings and alerts to people to make sure that they are safe. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really fascinating as well yeah and a, another great way also seeing how systems are are interlinked so uh, there was a i used to do a field trip for the john muir award another scottish uh reference there you know, the john yeah. muir award up in the yorkshire dales um and one of the things that that i get got the students to do and the field study sent uh, council folks got to do was to uh, go and have a look at their weather station at malam tarn and um and like you know, most kids were interested in it. They said, "Yes, it's pretty cool." But then it's when they say things like, "This weather station is so important because it could save someone's lives or protect someone's property down in the in the village of Malham, you know, and even beyond, you know, the river, the river air, and on into what that feeds into. I can't remember what river that feeds into, but it says because if heavy snowfall is detected here on this weather station or a heavy rain whatever it is we know that that water is going to enter that system and because we know yeah. we've done all the research we know roughly how long it would take how mm-hmm. and how, and so we can say you know we've just had a blanket of very heavy snow here up at Malam Tarn yeah cup and the weather's going to warm up in a couple of days few days time and a couple of days after that just need to be a bit careful because you could see a rise in your river levels and all those properties near the rivers might might be in the danger of flooding and this yeah. these two these two points could be tens of miles away from each other yeah it's incredible it's amazing what the technology now and how like you say how we can interlink it and uh and we do the same very similar with our uh, rainfall uh measuring as well and the new equipment that we're using uh it weighs the rainfall as it, it falls into the in, in the machine uh, and 
because of that we can detect for evaporation and for snowfall and snow melt so you know it, it weighs the snow as it as it lands in it yeah. and then we can account for it melting uh later on um so it and we can use those rainfall me- measurements as uh, as indicators as well for flood alert, flood alerts and flood warnings we've got a couple of our sites we are at our sort of more reactive places we use we use the rain gauges uh, to activate any flood alerts uh, because mm. uh, sometimes the rain, you know, if the rain's hitting a certain level, then we know that river's going to react in a certain way. Exactly, and and so you folk, you, you youngsters listening, if you uh, remember doing your storm hydrographs um, in <laughs> geography or science, or, or you know. It just goes to show that actually, you know, this, a lot of this stuff is, you know, is based on this, this real life research that has taken place. And of course, it's just been simplified and theorized down for you folks. And, um, and technology is not only just doing what you're saying, Louise, it's also allow, it's making this kind of stuff more accessible. And uh, I'll have to find the link. And if I can find the link, I'll put it in the description, folks. But there's this amazing video of, it's a time-lapse video of a river, but what someone has done is that they have juxtaposed the real life telemetry, the real, the live, the real time telemetry with this time lapse of this river. So you can see the discharge curve. So discharge folks is the rate that the river is flowing, you know, volume per certain amount of time. Um, and you see the discharge curve start to increase, but then you've got the time lapse where the video, where you see the river starting to swell and then the discharge peaks and then it Amazing. falls down. And so basically you've got a real a, a time lapse of a storm hydrograph in action with the river there. And yeah. and I, I was like, if I was still teaching, that is definitely <laughs> something that's going in my lesson. Yeah. Because it just goes to show. And, um, and so things like lag time, where it's just like, <laughs> you know, okay, I've got to learn what lag time is in case I get a question on it in the exam. Well, folks. <laughs> think about why it might be in the exam because that lag time could mean the difference between getting a warning out which could be only a few hours which is not much to do or maybe a day or two and of course your lag time will be controlled by certain factors like whether there's urbanization whether there's been afforestation and surely you want to increase your lag time because you you know all that kind of stuff so yeah it's i love it i love it i used to love teaching the rivers unit Oh, it's it's such a fascinating subject, and it wasn't something that really took my interest when I was at university. But having but doing it in real time, yeah. uh, and out out like in the field and watching it, it's just fascinating. It's such a reactive job. Um, we never know what's going to happen really from one week to the next, uh, and no matter even if we are in a period of prolonged dry weather rather than in flooding, you can still, it's still absolutely fascinating watching it go the other way on how little yeah. water we have. Uh, and we still get involved with that as well. Uh, we are not as fun as the boats, but we have other equipment <laughs> that uses acoustic Doppler for lower levels. Um, mm. So we actually get in and, and measure it. Uh, and yeah, so we, we are very much in between both flood risk and water resource. We help both sides of the coin on that uh, yeah. and so no matter what time of year uh, our team is out there making sure that the equipment's all working for a variety of people hi folks a chance for you to recharge your brew but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast simply liking sharing rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out.
you actually answered my question, uh, my next question before. No, brilliant. Perfect. Because I was yeah. going to say, yeah, like, sure, you know, maybe someone listening was going to say, oh, maybe does it get boring when it's not? Because we are in, we are in a dry period at the moment. You know, there yeah. hasn't been, you know, there's been below average rainfall in this part of the country in particular for a, a long time now. And, mm. we're, you know, there is a lot of concern for the summer uh, um, and and in, and whether we're going to have the recharge in, into next year. And it's uh, it's just... And it's like, yeah, but okay, it's not just when the river's in flood, you know, or yes. the river's about to burst its banks. It's what's happening to the hydrology of everything when there isn't enough water entering the system, because that is just as important. Yeah, because um, so. other, other themes that we've got are now looking at how, you know, abstraction licenses for, for farmers uh, and for water users and, um, and how much water can they, you know, do they have to limit how much water they take out of the system because yeah. we're not getting the rainfall to replenish it. Um, and then, but then on top of that, boat users as well need to know how, what's the river level doing because if it's too low, they can't take the boats out into certain yeah, areas. Can't navigate. So, yeah, so it, it's it, it's such a variety of people that use the data. Um, it's it's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely precise. It's you know what's just come so. I know I've got a f- few listeners in in California because basically that's thanks to word of mouth of people like Eli Ramos and and uh, and Al Snow, um, but. Just think of that, folks, right? Because you know you've got massive water issues in the state in that state of California, and of course other parts of the United States and whatnot. Do you hear what Lee's just said? Yeah, it's like abstraction licenses, having to reassess that because there might not be enough water in the system. Yeah, this is not California we're talking about. This is the United Kingdom, you know, which is famously known for its rain, even though yeah. obviously it, that's a stereotype. But it just goes to show how much that, you know, the systems are changing. It's not just the climate that's changing, but, you know, the human mm. uh, component of these systems is influencing these as well. And it's it's such an important work. And of course, it's all interconnected as well, you know. Um, quick story for you then. So, and I might, I, you know, this is uh, really, really funny, really. So, the last one of the last field trips I did as a teacher uh, was to take kids to Fetford Forest and and the the catchment area of the the River Thet and all that around that area, and uh, which is a chalk river, which is um, you know a, a, a special environment. These chalk rivers, yes. we've got plenty around here, and we've got quite a large proportion of the chalk rivers in the world in in this part of the the world but uh uh but here's the thing we were we were doing like um turbidity and sedimentation kind of studies and we were doing like kick sampling and mini beasts and all that kind of stuff it's all great um and we one group had to lower a sechi disc into the river and a sechi disc folks is to test visibility so what you do it's it's a it's basically just a piece of it's just a, a round circle. It could be of any material that's water resistant. And it's like, if it's cut into, it's split into four segments and it's black and yellow, black and white. And basically it's just so you can see it very clearly. So what these students were doing, they, they lowered this sechi disc into the water. Everything's going great so far. Everything's going good. All right. So good. And they would get into the point where it was going in the water and they were just about to find out how deep it's going to go before it disappears. And it fell off the, it fell off the string. Um, and we're like, oh no, we, what we do not want to do, we do not want to leave this thing in the middle of a chalk river um, because, you know, it's a, a foreign object. It can cause, you know, a little bit of disruption. And it's this, this year 11 student called Harry, bless him. I'll get it. I said, Harry, I don't know how deep the, the river is at that point. That's why they were on the bridge putting it, putting it down. It yeah. says, it says, 
Okay, I'll, I'll be careful. I'll be careful. I say, all right. I said, as soon as the water gets to to the top of your wellies, you turn around and you come back. Right, the river wasn't flowing very. I'd, I'd done all that risk assessment. Right, okay. The river is very, very still day, lovely, calm day. You know, um, nothing, no problems there. Harry said, you know, he's got his lifesavers awards with swimming. So, like, okay, fine, right, okay. Um, go on then. But Harry, you promised me you you come back, and he got he got towards where it was, which is the middle river. Um, and you can see the water getting right up to the top of his well. So he goes, oh, I see it. It's just there. I'll just, I'll just go and get it. I think I can get it. I said, how's your way? He said, no, I'm great. I'm fine. I'm fine. But then he bent down to pick it up and he did what we talked about a bit earlier. Just yeah. then the water just went oh, <laughs> into his well. And you just see his face. Like, oh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I said, are you all right? He's all right. He said, yeah, I'm right. But then he reached in, he picked out the, uh, the rod with the Setchy disc on it. He was like, I've got the disc. Came back. And um, yeah, that was a moment. It's like you're a lifesaver, Harry. But like, it says, uh, do you have a spare? Do you have your spare change of? Uh, he says, no, I actually came to school with my wellies, so I don't have. Oh, my... no. He says, good thing I weren't wearing my new pair of trainers, wasn't it? I was like, <laughs> it shows the importance of wearing the right PPE when you go out on site. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but in fairness oh. to Harry, he, he didn't come yeah. in his brand spanking new. 100 quid Good trainers he had his wellies and and yeah. um yeah like absolute life so but it was a bit that was really nice and oh, it's nice. just those moments you know it's, it's, which, i've i've yeah. had so many of those moments uh, where i was working in hydrometry and you just you get the fear when you're working with especially like the boats and they're so expensive and you're working with them in flood conditions and it's so easy to see them just disappear uh, you mm. haven't quite kept up with the speed of the river and it just goes over that we are and you're like oh no i've got to go and fish that out now um <laughs> or um the, the worst one was uh i probably shouldn't admit this on a podcast but when i was working for right, your, Scottish... your environmental your environment agency yeah. colleagues aren't listening it's all good. No, that's good well this was when i was working with the scottish environment protection agency <laughs> so uh when i was working with sepa right after i came out of university and uh the we had the boat wasn't a remote controlled one but we had it tethered to a cableway so some of the bigger rivers especially up north they've got a cableway that runs across the river um so you can because the range of the remote control just won't work right. so we were sent we sent this boat out and it had done the whole gauging across the river and we were bringing it back again uh and the river it was the river tweed uh, at a place called norham which is right on the border of england and scotland uh and uh, it was about it's it's about uh, a hundred meter span river uh and uh yeah it was about about 50 meters back again and we just saw it disconnect from the cable and just drift <laughs> off downstream and I have never felt my stomach fall like so badly I was like I felt sick I was like and that's about 30 grand's worth of equipment just oh, no. drifting off down the river but luckily for us so me and my uh, colleague at the time we went we went shooting down in our van down the river to the next bridge to see if we could see it uh, but sadly not but luckily we got in contact with the local uh, fishing uh, teams uh, and anglers and there was a, 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 a an estates manager uh, for one of the estates down there that actually found it uh, just right. sitting in a, in a little in a little bush just in their party so it hadn't quite made it to the bridge we got to uh, it just got itself caught in some bushes so uh, a bottle like. of whiskey later as a thank you to that person <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was uh, so I felt a bit better after that <laughs> oh wonderful but, yeah oh what a great story yeah I can imagine that it's like uh 
Yeah, oops, that's 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 gone. This is a bit more expensive than an orange. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to see a thirty grand orange go. No, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're going after that, kids, or my home homemade setchy disc on a on a on a rod. You know? <laughs> um, that was my fault, obviously. Oh, what a great question. story. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to move to something about you personally, and so to spill the beans is what we're going to do here. Oh, but excellent. before we um, kind of talk about this specifically. Well, it says it says here that you you uh, you love playing squash, but quick like that. I mean, you love playing squash as a way of keeping fit a couple of times a week. Um, yeah, I had a go at squash. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. too bad. At it. It's um, but uh, you, are you in a league? Would you just do it recreationally or? Oh no, I yeah, I'm not good enough for a league. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, it all started because uh, my my flatmate at university um, was part of the squash club, and uh, they were in the fear of being disbanded because they didn't have enough people for the committee. So oh, she hey. said to me like, "Oh, just come along and just like even just join the committee. You don't even have to play." But I went along, had a game, and fell in love with it. And uh, I've just been playing ever since. So just play. Uh, so we've actually got a few of us with the, in my office at the Environment Agency uh, in Brampton. Uh, we get together and uh, we, uh, yeah, we play once a week together. And then I try to play with with my friends out with work as well. And uh, yeah, just have a good old runabout for for an hour or so and uh, burn off some calories. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah, okay. and I, I used to, pre-COVID times, we used to do, uh, at the UEA, used to hire out a badminton court, have a little knock around, you know, just to, it's lovely. Yeah. It's a nice it's social great. thing as well, so. Yeah, uh, it's been really great at doing it through the environment agency, and it, it's made, it, it's let me meet other people that were in the office uh, at Brampton that I never would have encountered uh, on a, a day-to-day basis, but we, we made up really good friends, and uh, it's, it's good to catch up with them once a week and do something a bit different from just work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the next thing... Um, you've admitted here so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a barking up the wrong tree which is i'm gonna give two stories one of them's fake and you've got to try and guess which is the fake one and it's linked to one something else that you enjoy doing um so folks what i'm gonna do i'm gonna read out two stories to louise and one of them is real and louise is gonna try and guess which one and that will lead into our discussion to to close off with before we do our real geographers thing so story number one louise okay okay <laughs> so this is and the the um, headline is uh, young fossil fan unearths mammoth find on Winterton Beach. Um, so a, a nine-year-old boy searching the shoreline near his home for Roman pottery was stunned to find a mammoth's tooth said to be at least 750,000 years old. Um, this young lad spotted the molar amid the shingle at Winterton in the near darkness following a storm. He thought it belonged to a Roman horse and was thrilled with the ancient objects which added to his collection of beachcomber finds, including spent World War II shell, uh, World War II uh, shells. However, when he presented it to leaders at his local archaeology club, got even more excited as it was identified as a mammoth tooth. Um, and this is going back on the fact that, you know, a few years beforehand, you know, a mammoth skeleton was found at Winston Beach. Um, in fact, the mammoth at Winston Beach has become so popular that local businesses have named themselves off that, including uh, mammoth hire, tall hire, plant hire, and DIY hire from Winston. <laughs> so that's oh, that's number one. Number yep. two. So this is the, let's see if I pronounce it right, the Archaeoraptor, I think it is. So some of the most important dinosaur fossil discoveries have come out of China. 
So we know that warm-blooded dinosaurs, uh, usually predator, predatory carnivores, made the slow, even issue step into birds we see today, including ducks. I love what it says here. Yes, you have to accept that the duck as a dinosaur, despite Excellent. all your better judgment. But with as much of the fossil records, there are blanks to fill in. An animal's bones don't simply become a fossil, and the climate has to be right for the sediments to settle in without erosion, leading to incomplete fossils or other blanks to fill in. Uh, a once arid region may turn wet or migration may move animals from one climate to another, leaving holes in the path of evolution between the velociraptor-like dinosaurs and the mallard. So, and so this thing goes on to talk about how this, uh, this missing connection was found by a Chinese farmer, which has been dubbed as the Archaeoraptor. Uh, and it was hosted in National Geographic magazine. And there's a picture of someone holding the fossil being presented to the farmer who found it by someone from National Geographic. So, what do you think, Louise? One of them is fake, and one of them is true. Oh, see, I feel like I've heard the story about the mammoth tooth. It's ringing a bell, so I'm going to go with the nine-year-old boy finding the mammoth tooth. It's true. You're right. Yes. Yes. You're absolutely correct. It is right. Yep, that was, yep. Uh, and that actually news article was from the Eastern Daily Press, the EDP. The one about the Archaeoraptor was actually, um, it did fall National Geographic. So that is the true. Okay. I just omitted some bits of information. So it says here, so yep. when I say some of the most important dinosaur uh, discoveries have come out of China, the sentence I missed out was, but so have a few frauds. So um, yeah. what happened is that um, you get, people on very very low incomes and they're trying to struggle to make a living and one of the things that they they try and jump on the wagon is they try and um produce things which they they try to claim are fossils of dinosaurs and things like that and this was one of those occasions and uh, national geographic actually ran with this and, the, and they presented this person with an award and stuff like that but oh, wow. um when the scientific community got hold of it and looked at it, it was like uh nah, nah, this nah, is not, not right. this, this this has been this has been fabricated sorry <laughs> yeah. So, you know, National Geographic, we, we love them as a very robust, authoritative, reliable source. But on that occasion, yeah. they got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, fantastic. Um, so you like to do a little bit of fossil hunting sometimes? I do. Uh, I can't say I found very many. Uh, but uh, I just, I, where I grew up um, in the Scottish borders, I was about, I was, I was about an hour and a half uh, from the beach. So when we used to go, we used to spend the whole day, and uh, we would either go up to North Berwick, uh, just outside of Edinburgh, or we would go down to Berwick upon Tweed. Um, I down nice. just literally just over the, the border into England. Um, or we also had uh, Eyemouth and St Abs, Coldstream. We had we had some really lovely places, but all of which were some amazing just pebble parts of the beach, and you can pick up some amazing stuff like some amazing shells, stones. Oh, we even awesome. get some sea glass in there, um, and just going just going rock pooling and beach combing. It's just it's absolutely fascinating and. Uh, I love I love my days at the beach. I just wish I lived a bit closer sometimes. <laughs> you and my eldest would get on really well because <laughs> I Theo brings back plastic bags of rocks, <laughs> yeah. and it's like I was like, and then like, are you, you going to be able to carry that back to the car, Theo? You know, um, yeah. But does like a little bit of rock hunting and and uh, and hunting on that concept. And another shout out yeah. to one of our wonderful wonderful closest friends who is in california in santa cruz uh kim who loves hunting for sea sea glass and uh on the beaches of santa cruz and around the area so a nice little shout out to kim there 
um yeah fascinating and uh who doesn't like a little bit of a shingle hunt and seeing yeah you get some absolutely fascinating formations don't you and uh yeah it's just it just it's such a good way to pass an afternoon out out by the sea you know that sea air and uh some nice pretty rocks and sea glass to look at and i think someone took spent years and years and years finding rocks with quartz um intrusions Mm. quartz veins at the shapes of the alphabet so they, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, you've seen that. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, um, so it's like, absolutely. It's amazing what people can it took find. Years. Yeah, yeah. I can but imagine. they found they managed to find yeah a rock with a quartz quartz um, vein shape where it makes the letters of the alphabet, and so they've got the whole alphabet now from A to Z, uh-huh. or A to Z for my megaphones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, amazing. Mm. All right, Louise, it's been an absolutely delightful chat. So we've got to finish off with one yeah. last thing then, and that is we are all geographers, where we link all of our guests together. Now, um, last episode, I had the absolute joy of going into the natural food uh, cooperative, um, little organic uh, ethical consumerism store in here in South Norfolk, near where I live. And um, it's they had to come up with something they could link with their shop with the word baby, which was set the week before by Rebecca Nestor and Caroline Fernandez. So, so now we need to pass on this forward, right? And I actually went with... I mean, this word's just like, I'm like, uh, Louise is going to be all over this. So it's a really, really easy word for you, really. It's it's not nuanced at all. It is like right up your street. And I said, well, you know, I think let's do the word sustainability. Excellent. I know, but but your your challenge is going to be, though, Louise, is not that you can't talk about sustainability, is you've got to keep it to 30 seconds. (sighs) Oh, no. So think of uh, a way you want to frame sustainability in a way, you know, you think is quite punchy and quite cool for 30 seconds. And it can be, you know, linked to your work or just how you go through life or whatever it is. But whatever it is, you've only got 30 seconds. So oh, here we go. So when, whenever you're ready, Louise, make a start and I'll show you my timer so you know how long you got. Uh, okay. Uh, sustainability is... Basically, we are future-proofing for for our future generations. We want to make this. We want to have this world for as long as we possibly can, and we need to make sure that we are not overproducing and overusing. And let's 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 just keep everything as simple as possible. <laughs> uh, I, I'm running out of stuff to say. <laughs> it's so difficult. It, <laughs> When, when you get a timer shoved in your face, it's like, okay, like my work is all about sustainability and environment and stuff like that. And it's like, oh no, there's a timer. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm like, ah, no, brain, brain freeze. <laughs> brain freeze, yeah. yeah. Which is why people, this is why we all sit at the TV in front of the TV and go, oh, this game show is really easy. I could do that. I can't answer these questions yeah. yet. And they're like, ah, yeah. uh, like, wait, maybe not. <laughs> that's why I'll never do those things because that'll, that'll be like geography as a subject and they'll be like, oh, Kit's yeah. gonna ace this. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> no. You you wouldn't think that I've just I've just uh, got a certificate about carbon literacy, and I know all about sustainability. <laughs> after that conversation, it was just like, oh no. <laughs> there you go, folks. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. Um. So now you have got uh, a special honour, really, because um, and I'm afraid to say, folks, that next week, uh, next episode will be our last for season two. Um 
which is very, very sad. And we'll be taking a little bit of a hiatus before we definitely are planning to come back for season three. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest on Coffee and Geography, please, please, please do get in touch. Uh, I am taking um, requests to be a guest. So if you've got someone who you feel would be absolutely wonderful to come on the podcast, please do send them to um, the website, jogramblings.com slash coffee dash geography dash podcast. And then there's a, a, a sign up form there if you're interested. So what you're going to do for us, Louise is that um, next week, and you are welcome to come as well if, you've, if you're free, is uh, we're having something called the Coffee and Geography Coffee House, where I'm inviting um, all the past guests to come back just to have an online chit-chat in a virtual coffee house. Oh, amazing. Um, and it will be recorded. Uh, for We'll have three tables. There'll be two tables which are not recorded, one table which will be recorded. So that's the way people will consent to be recorded. Um, and the question I'm going to ask them when they enter the room virtually um, is going to be based on your word. So oh. this is a strange because usually it will be one or two people who just get to do the 30 seconds like you just did. Yeah. But actually, everyone is going to be asked something about this word. So no pressure. What oh, word would you like me to give to folks? Um, got to think about this because it's got to be mm. it's got to be crazy. Um, but I think got to stick with what i know and let's just go with hydrometry hydrometry yeah hydrometry so that's going to be really interesting for the folks who don't know what that word is yeah i know let's see what they come up with yeah (laughs) love it so what is the perceptions and and what you know about hydrometry right hydrometry it is that's going to be the final word for season two of coffee geography and i'll get somebody um in that coffee house to uh kick us off with season three uh, to come up with the word for the first guest of season three, which is uh, very likely to be out next year. Um, right. Now's the chance to say hi to people, Louise, and to um, and to plug your wares and to say how people can get hold of you. Perhaps they might want you to come and do another talk, a geography talk for us kids. I don't know. But uh, yeah, where who would you like to say hi to and where can we find you? Oh, well, uh, I'll just give a big old shout out to all my environment agency uh, colleagues around the country um, and especially to all the hydrometry and telemetry uh, colleagues. Uh, we're doing a fantastic job and let's keep <laughs> it up. Um, and um, yeah, if anybody wants to get in contact with me, uh, you can email me uh, louise.wilson at environment-agency.gov.uk. Um, or you can just go onto the Environment Agency website uh, and we have a customer contact centre there where you can just ask, uh, can you get in contact with, with Louise Wilson? Um, but uh, I'm more than happy to answer any questions or have a chat with anybody. And uh, I'm definitely happy to spread the word about the amazing work that my team does. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I'm really, really glad that this collaboration between us has, has come about. And it was, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I just find it so funny that I have, I can imagine, um, you know, that back at base, there's all these people say, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they're like, you got, so. I know, I got so, in there first, so happy. Yeah, you got in there first. But <laughs> but folks, you, you know, what, what I will say to that, if you're an educator, you know, especially nowadays when we're, we're hybrid working and we can, we've got like, you know, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Wonder, Wonder Room, you know, Zencard, whatever it is, whatever you use, um, we couldn't use this now. You know, if I, I would have been, I would have been using it so much if I could have just have someone like Louise just drop into a lesson for 15 minutes and talk to the kids. So folks like Louise are out there and now so happy to do this kind of stuff because there's, it's just a win-win for everybody. Everyone knows, like, for example, the Environment Agency do, 
you, the, the kids get this extra experience that they probably might not have gone normally it can help with their learning and it's just such a win-win situation so Louise thank you so much for being so generous with your time not Go just away. for today but for early on the week as well and putting together that presentation for those year 10s and I'm really really excited to continue working uh, with you in the future oh yeah no thank you so much for having me on Kit. it's been amazing and yeah can't wait to chat some more at some point Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging.